Hello everyone, and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. I'm Kieran Iyer, uh, and this week was my first opportunity to see the Demons live at the G. And what an opportunity it was. Straight off a 40-hour flight into the MCG and seeing that pitiful loss to North Melbourne when a win could have really set up our season. But the only thing that's keeping me going is that I'm doing this podcast tonight with not just one, but two Robertsons. Louis and James Robertson, uh, who are regular fans will know, uh, have filled in for Nita before, uh, are both joining in today to di- dissect this win. So, uh, this loss. So, gentlemen, what did you think? How did you feel after that game? Well, I thought we lost in the first quarter, Kieran. I think that you can't, you can't allow a team like North Melbourne, who's roughly similar to us, get away and get easy goals in the first quarter like they did. But and I think that... Let me hold you up right there, James. Why does this happen every time? I mean, anyone could have told you that before every Melbourne game, that we come in with all the expectation, um, we start off slowly. Why does it keep happening? Louis, do you know the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Fix the team's problems, Louis. <laughs> I mean, in the first quarter, it did look like... I mean, perhaps Goldstein was just really dominant in the ruck. I think particularly in the first quarter. I think he had some 25 hit-outs by quarter time or something staggering. So maybe they were really just getting first uses, but the intensity looked down. It really did look a bit disappointing on the back of last week's win. Um, beyond that, I think it's, it's, it's hard to really think of excuses. Do you have anything that comes to mind? I don't. I just think they dropped off. And my feeling with this team is, I mean, we've got obvious holes with Hogan and Gorn out. Mm. And we've got obvious skill deficiencies, I think, um, particularly in our defence. And even our midfielders are good hard players, but not necessarily amazing finishers. So we kind of need manic pressure all the time. At quarter time, I think we were down about half in tackles to what they had. Mm. We, were about, we were down in contested possession, which is a key stat for us. And it's just evidence that they were getting too much easy ball. And they were, so therefore, statistics only tell you so much. The other thing is, the stats don't tell you, is even though their clearances were roughly half hours, their clearances were very smooth ones. Yeah. And they were to one-on-one ball, and we haven't got the physical match-up to match people like with Ben Brown, Jared White, Mason Wood. One or two of them we can hold, but not the third one. So they were getting a lot of easy ball. I think that's right, but I do wonder about our defence. I mean, it seems like every time we play a team, their forward line becomes this giant killing force. I mean, uh, Louis, what do you think is, is wrong? Is it, is it just that we were against a team with good forwards, or is our defence not up to scratch? Um, look, I think there, I think there are flaws. I think we lack another really strong, tall, and skilled um, tall back. I mean, I think, mm. I think Oscar McDonald is trying to bite off more than he can chew um, weekly, mm. and he's asked. What to, can he chew? I think he's <laughs> not a lot at this point. I mean, I like him. I think he's getting there. I think it's a slow train coming, but I think it is. Um, but he's just not up to Ben Brown. I mean, he's mm. just, he just he just. We need we need another one of another player of Sam Frost's size and caliber who can sort of do fill that role so that Tom McDonald can do the intercept sort of play that he was doing today where I think he's a lot more effective and create that run down the field rather than mm. sort of a lockdown role. I think it's the right strategy having someone like Oscar attempt at that position, but just not the right person. 
Yeah, but but what do we do to fix that hole? Because I could see Oscar McDonald taking a few years to develop. And even then, I'm not certain that three years from now he's going to be this dominant key back and, and solve this issue. I mean, James, do we just keep persevering with Oscar McDonald or do we aggressively try and recruit a key back next year? No, no, I think Oscar's good. I mean, p- people forget he's only in his, what, second year? It's the second mm. main year of football. He played about 30 games mm. or so. And I think that he's still, he is slow, and he's always going to be slow, which is a problem. But I think he's got good judgment. He's got reasonably good intercept skills. And he's, and as his body gets stronger, I think he'll be a good lockdown for, to take the beast, the so-called beast forward. He will be the perfect player going forward. But at the moment, he, because of it, he is slow and he hasn't had the experience, he gets ran down like he did today a couple of times. He got ran down badly. Yeah. And he gets also ran out of contest, and he's not quite strong enough to... Look, against Ben Brown, I don't know what Ben Brown would weigh, but he would probably concede 20 kilos right. to to Brown. And that's a big differential yeah. in, in strength and for a tall forward who's getting the ball one-on-one repeatedly, which is what happened in the first quarter and the start of the third quarter. It's a very reasonable point, but I feel like we should be starting to move into our premiership window in the next couple of years. And my concern is, is our defence really developing fast enough? I mean, Tom McDonald has shown that he's a terrific intercept mark, mm. and he played as a third defender and a loose player today, and I think that is his role. Sam Frost has been a revelation, uh, and that's a positive, but I don't know. Our defence just doesn't give me that much confidence. Mm. I tend to agree. I think on the current list, it isn't a premiership defence. Mm. But, you know, Oscar McDonald could come on, um, and then, I mean, you've got a really great fleet of running backs down there. Right. Tom McDonald playing that intercept role, but Jaden Hunt, who I think looked a bit groggy today, um, otherwise champion, so is Hibbard, um, and Vince as well, and Lewis can also, I think, play that role. Salem, your favourite? <laughs> Salem too. It was a, um, that, was, that wasn't a um, mistaken omission that I didn't mention <laughs> him. But, uh, but I think oh, he's capable. I mean, he's coming through as well. But... I do think that, yeah, I think there's that extra tool that they would like to find from somewhere. Mm. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree, though. Because I think that if um, if we had Hogan in and a developing leader in a couple of years' time, we've, we've, we've got our forward line structure then pretty right. And I think out of that we'll generate, uh, and I think with the third man up rule, there's more of a move right across the AFL for the small the small forward is becoming a dominant player in the league. So so you do need a really mobile small back line, which we tend to have with Jagger and Salem and and others running and Jaden Hunt mm. and the like running off there. We've got a lot of run, we've got Hibbert spreading the ball and make, using it magnificently and we've got McDonald, Oscar McDonald, who can do the lockdown, and Tom can be a swingman. Tom can go up there and be the third or fourth forward as well, right. as well as being a very aggressive intercept backman. So I don't know. I, I actually think the problem doesn't lie with the back line. The problem lies at the moment with a makeshift forward line, allowing the ball to come down there repeatedly so yeah. fast. And I think that's fair. But let's talk about that makeshift forward line. So... I think today the forward line was very disappointing. I mean, obviously we didn't have Hogan, which is a huge obstacle. Mm. Um, I thought Watts was really, really poor. Uh, I think that's one of the worst games I've seen him play for a while. He did get a bit of the ball in the second half, but just wasn't a dangerous forward. Mm. Um, Kent, who I've been on the record as a very staunch 
uh, advocate had a real shocker. Um, and other than Mitch Hannon, I mean, just, just nothing happening up there. Yes, I would have to agree. I think it was a, a really underwhelming performance by the forward line. Even though it's makeshift, it, was, it looked really ordinary today, for the most part. And when you think about who got the goals and how he got the goals, like three or four were bombs from outside the 50. Yeah. And by players who aren't forwards. Right. And, and, uh, and, and by people like Cam Patterson, who arguably aren't players. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cam Patterson, actually, he's one player that can hold his hand up, I think. He's going, well, you know, going really well. I mean, it's, uh, he's always making a physical contest. Yeah, yeah. I thought he played another good game. Where did you think? Well, you yeah, I think. I mean, Pedersen was probably our. I mean, he kicked the second most number of goals today, didn't he? So I think he's great. He keeps holding his position, and I completely agree with the analysis that there just wasn't enough out of Watts. Um, Wiedemann's still getting there, but he just wasn't up to it today. Mm. And I was a bit disappointed with Garlett because I thought he did work hard, but he wasn't really didn't have an impact either. So. Mm. Yeah, everything that could have gone wrong did, as far as forwards not firing, and um, it was—it's a pretty insipid attack when that happens. Well, look, uh, maybe one thing that did have a little bit of a factor was, and we can blame the coach or we can blame the selection, but maybe Hunt was a bit underdone after his knock last week, mm. and he just was a, just enough off his game to not give us a run off the back line. So then when Goodwin moved him down forward and Gallup down back, we sort of lost some momentum by having by having that switch being done. Right. Because we weren't getting dry. Like Hunt, it's a different game to play down forward and Hunt got mowed down a couple of times mm. where he would run through to the back line. Whereas Gallup was applying reasonably good defensive approach down the back, but he was losing all his effectiveness as a forward. Yeah. So we were sort of robbing Peter to play Paul. Yeah. So I think that put us into an invidious spot, actually. It just wasn't quite working. And the thing that was frustrating for me is this, this game was just so predictable. Um, we had a bit of a survey of all the Melbourne fans we had together watching the game today, and we all thought we'd lose. But it's a pretty pessimistic attitude when you've just beaten the mm. top team in the competition. You're playing a mediocre uh, team at your home ground which theoretically should be an advantage for us, though. Mm. We seem to play the MCG terribly. Uh, it's just so predictable. Mm. Yeah, I think a couple of things I would say, though. Like, like I, I thought it was a little bit... Um, I thought their tactics were questionable, North Melbourne. I think that they were obviously instructed to target Oliver and, and target him in a way which, is all, which was questionable within the rules of the game. And I think Higgins' whack on, on Oliver should get him weeks. But more importantly, it should have been rewarded at the time by a free kick. Mm. I've never seen Louis swear as much as when uh, that behind-the-play behind the shot got hit. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, you can always get taken in by the umpiring when it's a close game. But I, I do think it was genuinely bad. I mean, mm. we, yeah, when you look at the stats, and it was, I think, 22 to 10 frees in, in North's favour... Um, and we won on the contested ball. I mean, normally you can see that you're going to lose more frees if you're not getting to the ball first, but it wasn't happening, and it clearly wasn't happening, and that wasn't the reason why these sort of free kicks weren't being given or were being given to North Melbourne in dubious circumstances, but it's not why we lost. It does sort of foment the frustration a little bit. <laughs> well, so with all of that in mind, all that frustration, 
can this team play finals? And I know every week we have a discussion which is completely the opposite based on the result of the preceding week's <laughs> game. And there's no neutral, objective posture because this team is so frustrating it's impossible to tell. Mm. But is this team good enough to play finals? I just don't know. Well, what are you going to lose? They are. They're good enough. I think it's a consistency thing. Um, and I think they can. I just think it's... I don't know if we will this year, but it's certainly a possibility. I think after beating Adelaide, that proves that anything good is possible. Um, and losing this week is sort of anything poor is possible. No, I mean, North Melbourne is the worst team in the comp. But um, they are. They're capable. Yeah, they're capable. And whether they... I guess the other question is whether they should or shouldn't play finals. Like, in other words, would it be a good thing for them to do? Mm. And I would have thought, no, it's not a good thing. I would think... Right. It'd be better off That's been the club's philosophy for the last uh, 11 Sorry? years. That's been the club's philosophy for the last 11 years. Yeah. Well, no, well, I just think that... <laughs> no, the, the, I, I just don't know if there's going to be benefit playing in finals this year. I think it'd be far better to get another 20 games into the players next year, and I think they'll be a better outfit heading into the finals next year. Right. Like I can see them going to an elimination final this year and getting clobbered by 70 points. Right. So we're already into there's always next year talk around that. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, look, I think the problem is how many we, we've been competitive in every game, including today, mm. every game of the year. But there has not been a match out of the nine to date where we've played four good quarters. Right. We have unable, we're unable to string together more than three good quarters. Today we put together two good quarters. Right. The last and... Uh, One and a half, and, I'd say. Yeah, 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 the la- well, yeah, the last was reasonably good for the most part. And the second was a beauty. Mm. And the first was shocking. And the third was... Shocking. Shocking. So, really, that's you're not going to win too many games of football if you do that. Yeah. What's your take, here? Oh, I don't know. I mean... I guess I need to appreciate the fact that now the frustration comes from the unexpected loss rather than the resignation of the weekly loss, and that is an upside. Uh, I don't know if it's better or worse, um, but I mean, it's, it's just infuriating. I think we will finish ninth or 10th, you know, in the same bracket of teams that we did last mm. year. Um, Part of that is out of our hands. I feel like if we had Gorn, we might have pinched a couple of these games. Mm. But what we needed to do before Gorn comes back is just to scrap as many games as we can. I just think the Hawthorne loss, the Fremantle loss, um, this loss, these are all very winnable games. Mm. We've had an incredibly good draw in terms of games in Melbourne. Um, we haven't you know, played the Bulldogs. We haven't played the Giants. We haven't done mm. much travelling. I don't know. I think the second half of the season is going to be tough. Um, yeah, I suspect so. I, I think, too, today, like getting back to today, though, the actual game, momentum is such an important thing, and we lost momentum at key stages, which we, mm. just a bit, a foot either way, and we could have got the momentum back. I mean, Bug getting 0-4 from the spell there, but halfway through the third quarter to five or ten minutes into the last quarter, even if one of those shots had converted, mm. we would have just got enough momentum to get ourselves back into the contest. And I apologise to all regular deluded listeners for describing Tommy Bug as a, a clutch goal kicker who, no matter what, at a crucial moment will kick an unlikely set shot for goal. Uh, I think that piece of deluded analysis should be trashed after his four yeah, second that, half. That was actually Newton's call, though. Yes, so, OK. So let's let's say it's Newton's call. I, I, yeah. I think he went way too goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, need a terrible analysis from her. 
That's why she's been dropped this week. Uh, <laughs> um, well, so we should turn now to the famous Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Performance. Um, and this is the kind of game that a player like Rowan Bale would always get dropped after. The team looks for a scapegoat. They say, Rowan Bale's out. Um, in that spirit, who's going to win this week's Rowan Bale Award? Well, I, I think you could easily uh, nominate seven scapegoats to that game today that could easily be dropped next week. Mm. But I would rather nominate for the Rowan Bale Award a person that should be elevated to the oh, list, yeah. Alex Neil Bullen, who's, who we have mentioned, I think, in dispatches here. Yes, yes, yes. He was the inaugural winner of the Rowan Bale Award. He was the inaugural winner, and I think that he... He, he could get back and get back-to-back Rowan Bale. He, he's, he had a stunning performance uh, for Casey. Mm. Uh, second week in a row, he got 35 possessions, got a goal, 43-point win today, so clearly pivotal in their win. Right. And I think he's an, a worthy nomination for the Rowan Bale Award, given the absence of uh, people who stood up and could be <laughs> deemed worthy of the award who actually played today. Mm. Any uh, disagreement on that? No, I, I think that's uh, that's reasonable. It's sad we have to go down to Casey to find an underrated performance. Well, you go... a player we didn't even see play. We don't know anything that he did. <laughs> he got thirty-five possessions. They Actually, could have all been handballs. And, you know. No, well, that is true, and we don't know what the opposition is like. So, so, <laughs> but but uh, we are at the clutching for straws or, or clutching the straws stage. Yeah. yeah, because so. we can't give the award to a Hannon because he was highly rated. I feel for no. his performance, he was excellent. Yeah, it wouldn't be in the spirit of the award. Right. It wouldn't be what Rowan Bell would want. No, no. And we know he listens to this podcast. But, but mentioning week. Hannon, he, he's, he has to be uh, a walk-up Monty for the, uh, was it, the Rising Star Award nomination. Yeah. He was fantastic. This he week, was so. great, wasn't he? He was wonderful. Uh, and he had that moment, I think, in the third quarter where he took a mark 40 metres out and handed it off to Bug for reasons unknown in a worse angle about the same distance. Yeah, out. yeah. And you just wanted him to slot that. But, I mean, beyond that, he played a perfect game. He played a magnificent game. In fact, one stage there, he probably got probably almost unlucky he didn't get a free kick for being tripped. But anyway, he tangled up with legs mm. and he again was making space or making ground to get a ball 40 metres out and you had a feeling that the way he was playing, he would have got that and gold. Right. He was so on top of his game today. Yeah. So I, I just think it was a really good game for a bloke who's a half-forward flanker. It was great. And it's a bit of an in- indictment on players like um, Watts and Kent that Hannon was more of a threat in the air. He was probably our best, and Wiedemann, of course, he was probably our best contested marking threat mm. in the forward line. Well, yeah. well, Watts, Kent and Wiedemann, their collective contribution was enough to bury us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Would you agree? Dismal. Mm-hmm. Dismal? Yeah, it was dismal. It was dismal. So, Well, well that, that takes us neatly then to the ins and outs this week. Um, who makes way after that? Because, I mean, the axe doesn't need to slice through large, you know, swats of the team, but there needs to be a bit of, mm. bit of turnover, I'd say, after that game. Well, what do you reckon, Lou? Do you reckon, are you a big Kent fan? Are you still a big Kent fan? I'm a Kent loyalist, but it did test my, um, loyalty today. I think he made a lot of poor turnovers. He looked a little bit slow at times and his pressure was down too, which mm. is usually something you can count on from him. So I think the way Neil Bullen played, he has to come in, um, and at least someone should. Well, Neil Bullen has to come in; we're in some trouble. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think someone has to come out of that forward line, mm. um, and I don't think Wiedemann can just due to default height from a back-to-back perspective. He probably 
It's you know, hard. I mean, what do we get out of his height? He hasn't kicked a goal in five weeks. <laughs> no, and he doesn't look like kicking one in another five either. But <laughs> it's not like he's playing in the ruck or doing something that requires mm. height. Like I'm tall, yeah. I could be height in the forward line. I wouldn't touch the ball. It's but... true. I think maybe when when the best defender stops buying the decoy and stops manning up on him, which is what <laughs> happened again today. I mean, that, I'm surely that'll start. His market price will start to plummet, and and other teams won't see him. They'll see him more for the threat he is, which is. Right. Uh, you know, relatively innocuous. But at, at this stage, he's still taking a tall back, and, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's handy. And so for those reasons, I keep him for another week. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Kent would come out. I think I think Bug might have to come out as well. Because I think mm-hmm. Harland, I didn't see how he played today, but I think he probably adds a little bit more at this point than, than what those two. What about Salem? I think Salem holds on for this week. Yeah, I don't think he played his best game. Um, and I certainly don't think he's in our our best players most weeks. But um, he certainly wasn't. He kicked a lovely goal there. At a yeah, crucial what point. about uh, Wagner or Melksham? Oh, I think that's a tough one. I think I don't think Melksham has as much future as Wagner. And I, don't, and I think they play at a similar level at this point based on Wagner's game today. But I think Wagner did some okay things. Wagner's okay. And there's and also Mitch all. White as well, who's another one who plays the same kind of mediocre halfback <laughs> role. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we've got a lot of players that are similar, I feel. We, we, like Bug, Neil Bullen, they're always dueling it out for that stretch. Stretch. Well, stretch I think is actually okay. I think stretch should get back into the team. But, mm. um, yeah. What about Harms? Should Harms get another run? No, I think he should. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think he should. What if, do you think? If, if Harms just polishes off his disposal a bit, he'd mm. actually be a really good player. He's very hard. He gets the ball mm. a lot. But he'll just make these mistakes. I, I think we. I mean, I think we should, we should bring him back in. I don't think. Mm. Um, but there's not a huge amount of confidence. There's probably seven players in the reserves that you could really throw a blanket over. And they could be in or out, and it kind of doesn't really have any discernible difference. Every now and then, one of them will have a breakout game, and you'll say, you know, like last week when I said Tommy Bug is actually okay, and I regret everything I said about him. And now you're like, oh, I don't know. In, in fairness to Bug, though, today, in he, was, to Bug. He, was, he was making, making he getting into the right positions to, mm. give, to give himself a chance. Right. And, and, and I do think that, realistically, he's unlikely to kick 0-4 again. And one of those four today hit the, hit, grazed the post. True. So, so he could have easily had... 1-3 is hardly impressive, but one of those would have been, at the time he was going for them, almost crucial to giving us a bit of momentum. So he was just off playing a reasonable game, whereas Dean <laughs> Kent, for instance, was a long, long, long way away. He was just, well, he was just like old Kent Road to Mayfair away from, you know, from glory, I thought. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. So some changes, but we don't have much confidence about... Um, exactly who or really what difference it's going to make. Um, do we beat Gold Coast at Metricon? I think we do. Just keeping with the general rules of ups and downs, <laughs> I think the most important factor, regardless of what changes made this week, is where we start in the bookkeeper's <laughs> stakes. That's right. Um, and hopefully there's enough of a local flurry behind Gold Coast uh, to get us home. <laughs> to have an inspiring team-lifting win yeah. followed by a loss to, to Collingwood. Yeah. yeah. That would be the general. My I, I think Lou's made an excellent point. As I, every time Melbourne starts favourites, mm. it should be a signal to anybody who likes a bet to go rushing off and put their money 
on the other team. Right. And uh, I did say that to you this morning, didn't I? Mm. I said, I said we don't bet on football, but I, but, but if I was a betting man, I would put my money on North Melbourne, loyalty aside, because it would be a good bet. Yeah. Because they were coming in supposedly underdogs, a side that we haven't beaten for eleven years, that have got a, has got a ruckman that absolutely smashes us, and yeah. the forward line is powerful, and we were going in favourites. And it was inexplicable in the context of our form line. Right. Which is, well, you know, I guess our form line is a lot like uh, a ride, say, at one of the theme parks at the Gold Coast. So yeah. if, we, if, we, if they get us on the up, we'll be right. It's about we? the fun parts, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always got a terror of terror. We can't down very fast. The downhill slope, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think we should lose this week, but I've also been wrong about all games except for the most recent one. Um, Tom Lynch scares me. Um, I think Sam Frost has done some nice things, but Tom Lynch at home. Um, Gold Coast has a lot of pace, and I don't think we're a particularly quick team. We've got the odd quick player, but mm. um, our midfield is more the kind of like hard-nosed inside types. Mm. Um, so I'm a bit worried about the Aaron Hall, uh, mm. the Saad pushing through the middle, um, Gary Ablett if he's going. Yeah, look, I, I think we'll probably lose and then come back with a defiant win against Collingwood on Queen's birthday and then end the season at like a perfectly mediocre 10 and 10 or 10 and 12 or whatever. Um, wow, it's long-range forecasting. is great. <laughs> yeah, every, everything's long-range and pessimistic at this stage. Uh, but that's what happens when you record a podcast only hours after a loss. The, the, the team's the, gutted. <laughs> the, the Suns and Dees game will be an interesting match because a bit like... The polar opposite, say, of how I imagine the Dockers and the Blues game was today, which would be a game of just gritty defence and really great structures. I think the Suns and Melbourne have got a really have got a bit of a daring do about both sides. Mm. So I think it'll be a very attacking game, um, and I don't think it'll be a game where it'll pivot around the defence. It'll pivot around how well each side can mount their attacks. And the question which is, which worries you... me because our attack is much shit. Right? Do you trust? Um... Tom Lynch or Sam Wiedemann to kick the goals? That's really well, you know, obviously the answer to that is Tom Lynch. <laughs> and, and he's possibly up for a bag of eight or something. But anyway, yeah. 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 which could be the difference, I suspect. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, on uh, that uh, positive note, uh, thank you all for uh, joining Deluded again. Uh, we appreciate the multiple Louis pref- multiple Robertson presence this week. Um Next week, Nita Rao will return. We'll go back to having um, both deluded presenters being uh, Melbourne members. So just, you know, for a bit of a, <laughs> oh, b- 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 a, bit of a change of pace. Uh, sorry, I wasn't meant to mention that, was I? Um, <laughs> uh, thank you all for uh, joining Deluded. As always, please send us emails to deluded1964 at gmail.com. Uh, we've loved some of your, your comments, uh, particularly the contributions on Melbourne's best interstate wins. Um, and tweet us. Um, I finally actually posted a tweet. So despite promising Twitter repeatedly, we actually never had a single tweet. But now we have. We've learned how to respond to tweets, so please follow us at uh, a Deluded Podcast. Uh, and we'll be in your uh, podcast app a couple of days after every game. Um, so thank you all for joining us, and go Dees. Go Dees. Thank you, Kieran, and go Dees. <laughs>